this is people's passion projects. Nobody's getting big paychecks from you know participating in the World Beard and Mustache Championships. They are just finding their community and getting to share their passion. So being able to talk to people who are literally at their best is absolutely killer. Makes me so freaking happy. I can't even tell you. Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzsprout show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, head of content at Buzzsprout. Now, you won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters just like you share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things that they've learned along the way. Now, in today's conversation, I got to sit down with the co-host of Rochambeau, Kim Drobes. Now, what was really fascinating about the conversation me and Kim were able to have was we talked a lot about people, community, and specifically how podcasting connects us to communities that we never knew existed and that the people within those communities often have incredible stories of their own, stories that we get to showcase and share on our podcasts. And the other thing that I think is really important that I really want you to pick up on is when we talk about pivoting. Being willing to change the format, the content of your podcast to grow with you as you mature as an artist, as a creator, and also as you find your limits, your boundaries, what you hope your show can become, and and just feel confident knowing that episode 100 does not need to sound just like episode one. But for Kim, she started her current podcast after a guest on her first unreleased podcast kept asking her, Where'd that interview go that we had not too long ago? I have been working in radio broadcasting for about 22 years. And about six years ago, really started falling in love with the idea of podcasting for one of the main reasons that I think a lot of podcasters talk about, the fact that you can really create something that you just don't have the opportunity to on a live radio broadcast. And you can dive so much deeper and you can, you know, just meld this beautiful project together and you don't need that full staff that you have at the radio station because you have time on your side with podcasting, you know, to actually actually put something cool together. So I started playing with that. And I started a podcast on the side for my radio gig. That was about inspiring people. And I loved it. And it was great. And in the course of that podcast, I ended up interviewing a good friend of mine, Ted, who is now my co host on Rochambeau. And so I interviewed Ted for the other podcast, because he was traveling to Scotland to go participate in the World Stone Skimming Championships. And I just thought that was such a hoot that my little buddy from Atlanta was going to go all the way to Scotland just to throw some stones. And wow, okay, sure, it's a holiday episode. Somebody will find that inspiring, you know. And so Ted and I did this great interview. And long story short, I quit doing that other podcast before I ever published it. And so I'd been sitting on that audio from Ted for about six months when I ran into Ted and he was like, hey, when are you going to make me a radio star? What's going on with that audio? I was like, ah, here's the deal, you know, not really doing that anymore. But I had been wanting to start something new and I'd been struggling to figure out what it was. And it was that audio from Ted that kind of inspired me like, 
I wonder what other weird, crazy things are going on out there. And so like, within 10 minutes of a Google search, I was like, Oh, this is my new thing. This is what we're going to do. Because there are so many amazing, weird things out there. So I started, you know, putting that together. And very shortly, I realized one of the things that was lacking with my previous podcast adventure was a partner. And I really like working with people. And so Ted does not have a background in radio. He's not a huge public speaker. He's just a really fun, cool guy. And I just called him up and was like, hey, remember that audio? You want to do a podcast? He's like, sure. Why not? It's like, okay, there we go. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Now, there's a couple pieces of your story I want to dive into. Sure. Because I think they're really fascinating. The first one being podcasters don't really know how great they have it. And and I think you coming from a radio <laughs> background can appreciate the the pure art form that is podcasting. It's beautiful. So talk to me a little bit about what makes podcasting so special, especially as somebody who's been in the audio world for for quite a while. Right. Well, number one I would say would be accessibility. Anybody can jump into this. And I think because anybody can, you get a more eclectic mix of people, of shows, of ideas and inspirations than you would ever get on radio because radio's driving force is making money. That's the industry and that's how it was set up. And please, of course, podcasters want to get paid for their work and I obviously support that. But it's not how the industry was formed as much as, you know, how radio was formed. Podcasting started out like blogs started out. It was a slow roll, you know, this quiet little grumble that has turned into what, 700,000, I think is the new number people throw around. So for me, 22 years in radio is a long time. There has definitely been times over that period that I pitch shows to program directors to a lot of like, I don't think that's what we do here, you know, and the idea that I could, with a fair amount of hard work, actually start whatever the heck I wanted to is an amazing opportunity. So I hope people appreciate like how amazing it is that really anybody out there can do this. It just takes work. Well, and what I love so much about podcasting is the eclectic spectrum Right. Of shows out there. Like even thinking back on shows that I've had on this podcast and it's like, wow, you can really make a podcast about anything. Anything. But you're right. Without the constraints of, you know, drive time radio and trying to keep people listening through the ad spots and that whole industry without all the strappings of that. And that's the thing. It's it's an industry. And, yeah. you know, once something gets to that level, there's so many people that need to get paid for that microcosm of work that you're doing. There's 30 other people whose paychecks revolve around that being successful. So it's just a completely different playing field when it's just you and a microphone and, you know, hopefully maybe a good little mixer. It's almost like the difference between like a major blockbuster movie and like an indie film. Absolutely. Right. Because the stakes are different. You have a lot more creative control on the yep. independent side. Yep, exactly. So when you were talking to your buddy Ted, coming up with the idea for this podcast, you mentioned that one of the things that got you excited was almost like discovering this whole world of really weird stuff that you yeah. never <laughs> even knew existed. Yeah. What was that like as you started to dive deeper into that, especially with kind of like a reporter, journalist mentality of 
there are some really cool stories waiting to be unearthed here. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was exciting. It still is because my favorite part about the old podcast I was doing was talking to strangers and finding out what makes them happier than anything else that they do. And for that podcast, a lot of it was about serving others. And for this one, I mean, it truly is. This is people's passion projects. Nobody's getting big paychecks from you know participating in the world beard and mustache championships. They are just <laughs> finding their community and finding their people and getting to share their passion. So being able to talk to people who are literally at their best when they're talking to you because they're talking to you about what brings them the most joy is absolutely killer. Makes me so freaking happy. I can't even tell you. But that initial little buzz of excitement that you mentioned, I could tell you my my poor partner, Sean, and I were driving to the beach when we started noodling this out. And I was like, you know, I am sitting on that audio from Ted. I wonder what else is out there. So while he's driving, I started looking and just... I mean, poor thing, the next five hours were just like, oh, my God, have you heard about this? And holy moly, people make weird faces. Gurning, I've never even heard of this. And it just, I mean, the the conversation carried on through the rest of the beach trip. And I truly have a memory of being in the ocean, bobbing up and down and trying to come up with a name for it. I was like, oh, what about Rochambeau? Wait a minute, a wave's coming. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. That is so cool. And then talk to me a little bit about why having a co-host, somebody that does it with you, has really made all the difference. And not only continuing the show and, and having it go on into the future, but also making it something you look forward to. Because I know quite often we start our podcast with lots of zeal and excitement. And then two months later, you're like, wow, I didn't know I was signing up for a part-time job. And so I can't do this anymore. Like how has doing this with Ted kind of helped with all of that? Yeah. So I think the same way that having someone to work out with helps people stay on track and get fit. Just being accountable to somebody else is huge for me and my motivation because I love quitting things. Like there is something freeing, like nothing else about saying, all right, I quit. I'm done. It's like, oh, it's just a beautiful feeling when it's right. But that feeling comes up sometimes when maybe it's not so right, when maybe you should push a little bit further and having somebody that, you know, it would break his heart if I quit means so much more to me than if it would upset me a little bit being responsible to other people. That's really the glue of it all. And then on the fun side, it is so much more fun to hang out with somebody else than to, you know, sit by yourself and talk into the void, as we like to call it sometimes, because if nothing else, even if no one listened, Ted and I got to hang out for a few hours on a Friday afternoon. And it's just fun. We like each other. It's good. It's wonderful when your podcast is something you enjoy doing. Right. Right. (laughs) We definitely enjoy the recording part. Sometimes editing can kind of put me in a trance and I try to remember why am I doing this for a paycheck and then also doing it not for a paycheck? (laughs) Like, but then, you know, Friday comes around and Ted and I record again and I remember why I love it. That is so cool. Now, you cover a wide range of bizarre topics true on your podcast i mean that's kind of like the nature of it right i'm curious what have been the things that you 
never knew existed that you're still not really sure should exist, but are just fascinating <laughs> that you covered on your podcast. I want to hear some of the highlights. Yeah. yeah. So to be honest, there's nothing that I knew existed before this podcast came to be. And I started diving into those wonderful search terms of unique competition and weird things and places to go and all of that wonderfulness. So I got to say everything is all brand new. I don't know if I would say none of it should exist because the beauty of finding all these things was finding out the communities. None of them exist in a vacuum. They all have hundreds to thousands of other people who are into the same thing and and it's their everything. So some of my favorites that we have talked about is there is a world championship for sign spinners for those guys who you see on the corner with, you know, the Smoothie King sign or whatever it is. They have an athletic component to them that when those guys are really into it, it's phenomenal. It's better than any, you know, gymnast you've ever seen. And once a year in the Friedman experience in Las Vegas, they take over the big center area and they have, you know, like a sign off, like a dance off, but with signs. And it's, it's very, very athletic and very, very, very amazing and makes me look at every sign spinner. I've seen since differently because after talking to these guys, you find out how much like a little honk honk means to somebody who's been standing on the corner for like five hours twirling a sign around. So I use my horn a lot more when I see them. (laughs) One thing that I really want to go to that also I never knew existed until it landed on my plate was Chicago's Shy Diderod. So the Shy Diderod is a five mile shopping cart race through the streets of Chicago in the dead of winter, a fully immersive art experience. So everyone's dressed in really elaborate costumes, but they have also dressed their shopping carts to be part of their costume theme. So you have something that looks like the Titanic and all of these people dressed up like they would be on the Titanic running around the streets of Chicago at the same time collecting canned goods for their local community food bank, and then stopping at pit stops along the way that are, of course, bars. And that is one thing that's come up over and over and over again was how many of these stranger competitions started in bars. Like so many times you're like, well, it was a really small town in England and they were sitting around and they had been arm wrestling for a long time. And then they were like, let's see if we can toe wrestle. And now there's a world championship of toe wrestling in this small town in England that takes place every single year. Something else that I found out about recently, and this was a little bit out of our box, but it was so much fun to learn about. In Australia, there is a nude beach that every year has their version of a nude Olympics. And people who aren't nudists come to participate and they do like they do the types of things that you would normally do like at field day, you know, if you were a kid, but they're all naked. So there's a lot more humor involved, a lot more danger because they're all naked. And yeah, the way that they talk about it, they basically look forward to this event every year because people that they've met once before or once every other year, this is their joining place. And that's 
what we hear over and over again is that theme of community and finding your people and having a reason to all get together. And sometimes the competitions are a little bit of just that background to finding that place where you really belong. How crazy is it to you that a podcast about weird events has become a microcosm and a way to experience humanity on a deeper level and like our sense of a desire to belong somewhere. Like, do you ever just think about like how ridiculous that sounds when it comes out of your mouth? I know, I know, but it's become everything. It's really, it pulls at my heartstrings all the freaking time because people need connection and we need to find our community. And it's, in my opinion, more difficult in this day and age when we do have so many other opportunities digitally to connect with people and get our conversations fulfilled. But there's something so different about being next to someone, doing the same thing, enjoying the same end result, and maybe a little bit, you know, of fancy competition in there too that really gets, I think, human spirits to connect the way that we're supposed to. Absolutely. No, I, I, That's one of the things that I've loved getting to interview podcasters is how ubiquitous, how widespread that is, that these small little niche shows that are talking about stuff that you never even know there would ever be a show about. And it's it's connecting all these people from all over the place. It's just really incredible. Exactly. I've been surprised how many connections I've ended up finding through the podcasting community because a lot of the competitions we've covered randomly we found out well there's a podcast about this so i we did an episode on the world beard and mustache championships which actually just finished up they took place in belgium this year and i was talking about it on a different podcast and this guy reached out to me who calls himself the beard caster and he has a podcast just about beards and mustaches and beard and mustache competitions and it turned out we had talked to so many of the same people and to me that was just of course there's a podcast about that you know how could i not have realized that of course there is of course there is so i want to dive a little bit deeper into the art of storytelling with you because as you know any piece of audio content is really only as good or engaging as the story behind it and you can really make the story about anything but there are certain things that you need to look for and try and incorporate to make it compelling to make it listenable. So when you are interviewing people, when you're trying to get their stories, when you're trying to capture something that is shareable, what are the things that you think about and how do you approach those conversations, especially when they're with strangers, people that you've never met before, and you don't necessarily have a rapport or understand the best way to come into the conversation? Yeah. And, you know, every podcaster does it differently, but I don't lay eyes on people. We only use audio. So there's definitely this mystery veil of talking to a complete stranger that most of the time I try not to look up what they look like until after we've talked because there's just, I don't know, there's something about just being this disembodied voice connecting with another voice somewhere across the world without any of our stereotypical boxes that we're normally put in except for the thing on hand that we really want to talk about and have in common at that moment. So I've haven't found it challenging ever because the people I'm talking to want to be spoken to. They want to share their passion. And I'm sure if I did a different type of podcast that 
it was more difficult to get people to open up. I don't know how I would handle that. I'm in a very lucky position that this is people talking about what they love more than anything else. So it's usually very easy. I usually get way more content than I can use. And so that's why my eyes roll a little bit at the editing process. I don't cut people off while they're talking. I will wait, even if it's got nothing to do with something I can use in the actual podcast, I'll wait and enjoy it for what it is and then try to pick back up with them and get them back on track afterwards. So the conversations are pretty easy. The editing tends to be a little challenging afterwards. So give me a sense of the difference, the amount of material that you would on average get, and then what do you edit that down to? Yeah. So in the beginning, we were doing about four different interviews per episode with like one with an organizer and then three different competitors to try to get some different perspective on everything. And each one of those interviews would be about 30 to 40 minutes long. And then in the final episode, each one of those interviews would probably be about five minutes long. And it was so much work because Ted does not like interviewing people. It's somewhere where we just differ. He, he, he will talk to strangers in bars, like till nobody's business, but he just can't do, he doesn't have that same passion. And it happened like probably our fourth episode in, I was like, you know, I know I have most of the equipment, but let's try to set up a time that you can do some of these interviews. And he's like, I have to tell you a secret. I was like, what's up? And he's like, I don't like talking to strangers. I was like, what? (laughs) How did I not know this? Are you kidding me? Every time around you, you're like Mr. Social Charming. And he's like, I don't know what it is, but I just can't think of the questions. And We pondered it a lot moving forward because the workload was getting very unbalanced, you know, because I do have the editing expertise and he doesn't. If I was also doing all the interviews, oh, wow, you know, all of a sudden a lot of this is just landing and and you and I hanging out. So we actually started expanding our format specifically to try to even the scales a little bit. And now we do some shows that have interviews in them. And some shows where Ted just researches the heck out of a competition or an event and tells me about it. And we found that this is where he shines so much more because he can find out every little detail and has so much joy when he's telling the story and being next to him while he's telling it, his eyes are lighting up and I'm getting all excited. So we've really kind of mixed things up a little bit to try to balance that content versus editing versus final podcast issue that we were having, which you bring up because the struggle is real. It's a lot. It is. It really is a lot. Like when I first started podcasting, the first podcast I ever listened to was Startup by Gimlet. Great podcast. It's a fantastic podcast. And so I thought naturally I should do that by myself. And like document something that was going on in my life and make a podcast about it, not realizing I was going to be spending 25 to 30 hours for a 20 minute episode. Oh my gosh, kindred, totally. Like for me, Invisibilia, one of the NPR podcasts is like an all time favorite. And I'm like, well, I can do that. 
And technically you can, but yeah, it is like 60, 70 hours worth of work and you are one person and these people have an entire media company behind them. So that was a little bit of a kick in the face to realize that I can't, I can't keep this pace up. Well, it's good that you realized that earlier on, instead of biting off more than you can chew and then feeling like, well, now I'm just a slave to this monster that I've created and there's no way out. Now, talk to me a little bit about how your show has evolved since you launched it, because you mentioned there are some tweaks that you've made over time to make sure that you and your co-host are both in it together and contributing, not necessarily equally, but both the same amount of commitment and divvying up the workload. How has that affected what actually goes into your show? And then what are some ideas that you have in the future that you want to try that maybe you haven't had an opportunity to yet? Sure. Yeah. So when we started out, as I mentioned, we did multiple interviews per episode with a little bit of scripted narration around them, a lot of little elements to make things fun, sometimes little voice clips or musical elements, you know, basically like everything I loved about every NPR podcast. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it just was not sustainable. It just was way too much work. So the first thing that changed was the narration. We stopped scripting anything in between and just started talking to each other about the clips we had just heard and realized, oh, this actually sounds better than it did before. This is great. So all of the narration scripting work went out the window. So that was hours back in our lives. And then the next thing that happened was realizing that Ted didn't really love interviewing people. And I didn't know if I could keep up the pace of having that many interviews per episode and weaving them together, especially when in reality, occasionally it would become difficult to find a special part of each interview that hadn't already been discussed in somebody else's interview. So the next thing that changed was doing a lot of episodes that just revolved around one person, either the organizer or the current world champion or someone involved in some way. And we realized that, wow, we are cutting down our workload by like, it's like a fourth of what it was. And we're getting the same story. And it's working. So that was the next thing to change. And then the next thing we changed was we really were trying to figure out a way to how do we get to hear Ted's voice more and make this more about Ted because he is a funny, funny guy and people need to hear his voice. And one of the original ways was Ted will try anything. So, you know, he was participating in a couple of these competitions when he could get there. But of course, you know, the ones that he was really drawn to weren't anywhere close by or even in our own country. So it was few and far between. And so that's when we decided to explore the format that so many podcasts do, you know, which is basically like one person will be an expert on the topic at hand and share the information with someone else. And I got to say, that's never been my favorite format to listen to. So I was really cringing at the idea of it. Like, why would anybody want to listen to this? This is just, you know, you and I talking about something. There's no expert, you know, why? And then I realized because human beings are funny and we're still getting to share the core of the story. And it's actually 
there's a lot of charm that comes in when you don't know everything and you're not completely emotionally connected to the topic at hand. So we've evolved a lot over our short 30-something episodes. And now not every episode is the same. Like every other one will have an interview. Every other one will be Ted telling me a story. Occasionally, I'll tell him a story. And then we do live events. And that's the dream bubble of moving forward is, wow, how cool would it be to have a budget and be able to really travel places and be able to cover some of these events live. So there's a couple that we've been able to cover live in the past. There was one called the Iron Tiki Tender, which was the search for the world's best tiki bartender. And that luckily happened in our hometown of Atlanta. So getting to cover that live was wonderful because I was able to talk to so many different people, but it was quick, 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 quick. And there was very little editing involved afterwards because it all just flows when when somebody else is listening to what you know somebody else just told you. They're not going to want to repeat the same thing. And it's just the story moves differently. So I would love to do more live events in the future. So what I really want to emphasize for anyone listening is it is to- you have full permission to pivot as much as you want to with your podcast. It can be so easy to feel like episode one needs to be exactly the same as episode 100, but it really doesn't, right? And the thing that I remind podcasters is as long as you are serving the same audience and you are just finding new creative ways of doing that, they're not going to leave. They want more of you. And if you introduce something new, chances are they'll probably actually like it. You might surprise yourself. You're giving me goosebumps. I wish I had called you last year and had you tell me that because we really struggled (laughs) with that choice of making anything different than episode one. And it was scary. And in hindsight, it shouldn't have been. But in reality, it was. So yes, please listen to Travis. It's truth. (laughs) Well, and it's I totally understand the anxiety of feeling like I've worked so hard to build this thing. And the potential that I could sabotage it by trying something new can be like petrifying. Yeah, Yeah, debilitating. Totally. But you have to do it, not only for your listeners, but for your own sanity. Like podcasting, really see it as an art form is and your listeners are going to mature with you. They're going to grow with you. As you become more proficient in your skills, you want to try different things. You want to incorporate different elements. That's only going to serve to continue to build a long-term relationship with the people that listen to your show. And that's a great thing. Like, that's something that we should all be excited about and not dread like, okay, well, I can't keep doing 15 hours per episode, so I guess I'll change it up and, you know, it's probably going to be awful, but I got to do it. So Right. Right. So one thing that you actually are kind of in the middle of doing that I wanted to ask you about is your laugh competition. Yeah, we actually just wrapped it up. We just wrapped it up. We're going to have an episode on it coming out in two more weeks. So so tell me about the laugh competition and what that is, experience has been like, because that's kind of serving your podcast audience in a really unique, fun way and trying to branch out and do some other things. So talk to me about what it is that you're doing, how you're doing it, and what kind of impact it's had on your podcast and your your audience. Yeah, so that is all out of the big, beautiful brain of Ted Ledoux. He just came in one day and was like, I have an idea, (laughs) because he's been wanting us 
to host events locally. And we did a rock, paper, scissors competition at a local bar when we were first launching the podcast. And he wanted to do more stuff like that. But I've been the naysayer because it's a lot of work to put on live events. It's just a whole, in my opinion, it's a completely different job. You're basically working in the event industry then. And that is just a lot of work. And Ted's just one of those guys who just believes that, well, it'll work out, everything falls together. And then sometimes you're like, well, yeah, because I thought of 30 details that you forgot, and I did them really stressed out, but it'll come together. So when I had kind of told him one too many times of I just really don't, I think that's biting off more than we can chew is putting on another event. He came in one day and was like, I have this idea. Let's do a virtual event. I'm like, what do you mean? And he he was like, well, remember, we both had previously researched a laugh competition that, you know, when you're looking for crazy competitions, things come your way. And we're like, oh, wow, that looks amazing and wonderful. And we looked it up and it was defunct and hadn't been running for about four years. We reached out to a previous organizer. He's like, I really don't have intention of bringing it back. And so Ted reached out to him again and was like, how do you feel about us putting it on? He was like, go for it. I don't own it. So Ted announced the idea that we would be collecting people's laughs and you could call us and leave us a voicemail with your craziest laugh, with your most natural laugh, with whatever laugh you are comfortable sharing with the rest of the world. And we would figure out a way to judge them. And the first thing that we realized is it is very difficult to laugh on cue. Like to get someone who is so strong in the feeling that they have a great laugh, that they can just call a number blindly and just start laughing was not happening. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it was not happening. So we started tweaking it as we realized we were getting very little to no participation. And the tweak that really helped us was rephrasing everything as well, you don't have to call us and just start laughing. Just everybody's got a voice record thing on their phone. If you find yourself in the middle of a giggle fit, just hit record and send us that MP3. And then we started getting actual entries. And holy moly, that is fun to listen to. Oh my gosh, we just figured out who our winners plural are because we could not We couldn't make it happen with like a first, second, and third. So we came up with categories and we're super excited to share them with everyone. And we're going to have an episode that features the winners and a little bit of their backstory of, you know, when did they know they had the world's best laugh? That is so awesome. So are you going to make like a a sound effects pack that people can download of all these laughs (laughs) whenever they're having a bad day? They just go through and listen to other people laughing to cheer them up? (laughs) Yep. I mean... Honestly, Ted and I play it on a loop a lot. Like anytime lately that we're struggling and I have a ping pong table on the patio and both Ted and I are big ping pong players. So normally when we're struggling, we just let's just go play a quick game of ping pong. But nowadays we just listen to laughs on loop over and over and over again. Let's just take a laugh break. All right. Yeah, that'll work. That is cool. That's really cool. And it's really cool to hear like, an example of something creative that you can do with your audience to not only just continue to engage with them, but also make it fresh, 
you know, have something new and exciting, a new project that you can work on that gets you excited about what you get to do every week. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be a world champion? We offered people an opportunity to be a world champion. I mean, that's pretty cool. I think so. Definitely a conversation starter. So I'm curious, since this is a passion project for you, and and I'm guessing for your co-host as well, how does this fit into kind of the rest of your life? What piece does this play? How large of a piece is it? Where are you hoping that this podcast eventually ends up in the future? Yeah, I don't really, I don't know how to phrase where it fits in. It's the part of my life right now that I am most passionate about. It's the first time I've been able to use these skills that I've been gathering for over 20 years for a topic that I am so 100% wholeheartedly invested in. So it's where my free time in my life goes to hanging out with my partner, Sean, swimming as much as possible, working on Rochambeau, and then traveling and traveling usually entails coming up with more ideas for Rochambeau. Because to me, those are the best things in life. And if two out of three of them are coming back to the podcast, then I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm using my free time wisely. Oh, absolutely. And what I love so much about that answer is that our podcasts have an opportunity to be an extension of us, right? They don't have to be this separate entity that we like flip a switch. All right. Okay. It's podcast Travis. And then, all right, now it's rest of life, Travis. No, it's just Travis. Yeah. And and when you're able to blend everything together, it just makes life so much more meaningful and fulfilling because you wake up every day knowing that you get to do something you're excited about and passionate about. And it's not about, you know, a checklist or this is project with a deadline I have to do. It's just about experiencing your life and then sharing it in a way that's engaging and exciting for other people as well. So I love, I love that answer. Yeah. And getting to create something. I mean, we all have that in us and I don't think nearly enough of us explore that at all because being able to create any sort of art project or cooking even, just being able to create something that you do from start to finish is so gratifying. Absolutely. Well, I've got one last question for you, Kim, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. If you had a time machine that could go back in time to the day before you started your podcast and you could offer yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh my gosh, it would totally be the advice that you offered me and everybody else just a few minutes ago. I wish I had realized how easy and not only easy, but important it is to be able to pivot and pivot without second guessing yourself so much because that has turned out like there was a point where it felt like some of the joy was being sucked away by some of the work level and being able to take risks and change things up and try something new. And I wish someone would have told me the day before I started that you have permission to do this because this is yours. You can do whatever you want. Just don't be afraid to try it. If you love to hear intriguing stories of interesting people and events, Make sure to go check out Rochambeau at RochambeauPodcast.com and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to submit your application. And if today's episode inspired you or resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Just leave a review in Apple Podcasts to let me know what you thought of today's interview and maybe what your biggest takeaway 
was from my conversation with Kim. And make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast because this Friday, we'll be releasing a bonus episode where I answer Kim's number one question about podcasting. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep podcasting. Podcasting.